0: Hello listeners, and welcome to The Detail's new podcast called Michael Jackson, Unspun. Encino home singer Michael Jackson was admitted the biggest selling album of all time. Michael
1: Jackson has become the first artist in the history of music to generate six number one singles off one
0: album. Michael Jackson! Jackson! Michael Jackson! Michael Jackson! But I must confess, it feels good to be thought of as a person, not as a personality. Hi guys, so welcome to this episode of the Details Podcast, Michael Jackson Unspun. I'm Matt, the video creator behind YouTube's Detail, and also your host for this series. Uh, But I'm here also with another Michael Jackson YouTuber, as always, MJ Fangirl. How's it going?
1: Good, good. How are you today, Matt?
0: I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I was just saying that um, I've shared on Instagram that for the first time uh, the other night, I started watching uh, the Jackson's American Dream. Um, the uh, yeah, I know it's a bit of a travesty that I've never actually seen it um, <laughs> <laughs> as a fan and as a as a creator as well. But uh, to be fair, in the UK, I don't I've never heard of it. And I don't think it's been shown anywhere, not at least in you know, recent, recent past. Right. Um, right. But the whole two part series is on YouTube. It's been there for a couple of years now. So, and I always see it and I always have it like liked and I'm like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to sit down and watch that one day. Um, and I actually sat down and, and watched it as well. It was a bit of a marathon. At, what, at what were hours.
1: your like initial thoughts? Was it what you expected it to be? Did you learn anything new or was it kind of all like just the same old stories we've always heard?
0: Um, I think it was good. I think it's very like of its time. I think yeah. I think as fa- I think as fans, we could definitely like rip apart like you know the inaccuracies and stuff in it. Like just you know things that would annoy you. Like oh you know why did they have Michael Jackson falling down during the uh, uh, the Pepsi you know hair oh. catching fire situation?
1: Yeah, they had him like literally roll down the entire staircase for dramatic I guess.
0: Yeah. Well I just thought it was odd because it's like it's pretty dramatic anyway and like do you do you need to do that like obviously because the family were really heavily involved in this didn't they work on developing this.
1: Yeah this this from what I've learned this was based on Catherine Jackson's book that she wrote uh, called My Family the Jacksons and it was produced by uh, Jermaine and his then wife.
0: Oh okay. So this is
1: like yeah.
0: Yeah, because afterwards, like on my recommendations on YouTube, then I started watching them appear on um, Phil Donahue, like the talk show, um, mm-hmm. and they were talking about the developing this series. Um, but that was back in 1989, so it obviously I can imagine it took a couple years for them to like get into production and actually produced. Yeah, um, but I think I think it was good. I think it kind of gave like an overall picture of like the family I, you know considering that they were so heavily involved in it and they're very protective of like their public image I think there was there, there's some kind of like respect to be given that they do kind of reveal certain issues around the family and their kind of home life and the dynamics within that um obviously we didn't get all the tea uh, right. that we all know <laughs> we all know now um <laughs> But I, you know, I I think definitely, I think the guy who played Michael in the later years, I think he was really, really good. Um, Yes. I think probably one of the best that I've seen, um, because I think it's very hard to play Michael Jackson. Obviously, he's such an icon and people are so recognisable. It's hard to try and emulate him without parodying him. And I think he did really well in that.
1: Yeah, I mean... I thought he was so good that, fun fact, actually watching The Jackson's American Dream and that actor, his name is Wiley Draper, that's how I became a huge Michael Jackson fan. I don't know if I've even told you that, Matt. but Oh, really? I, how? Yeah, yeah. I was watching. So I was watching The American Dream because it would come on like VH1 every weekend. Like my <laughs> people that are like, you know, are American know it was on all the time. Oh, wow. And I was watching one uh just one random day it just stood out to me i had never really watched the full thing through but the part where he's recording human nature i mm. had never heard that song and i was like oh my gosh i had to ask my my um my dad later michael jackson sings a song where he keeps saying why what song is that i want to <laughs> hear that again and it was after that you know it was history from
0: there but, but even stuff like that like that's introducing like the late years as she's, he's recording that human nature and then it says like 1983 at the bottom and it's just like we all know that that was part of the you know thriller album and that came out in like late 1982 so like it's it's just stuff like that i'm just like why can he be like singing something else or i don't know or a little bit later um but yeah no i thought i thought it was definitely good i think i think definitely like the love story behind not. Maybe not the love story, but the marriage of uh, Catherine and uh, Joseph Jackson, or Joe Jackson, it keeps changing in terms of what I read. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, like that is that is definitely could be a movie in itself uh, outside of like fame and fortune and the Jackson Five.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a quite a story, and I had heard. Well, this is just from my dad, who's an older generation, one generation up. Basically, Michael Jackson's age that nobody knew that the Jackson five were going through any types of, you know, turmoil or family issues or anything. They just kind of appeared to be like like the perfect Brady Bunch kind Mm. of family. And like you said earlier, like I also have respect for them for kind of like really shedding light on what was really going on um, behind the scenes. But I think it makes me appreciate their story so much more to know what they went through. From the mm. beginning to, um, you know, playing in night bu- nightclubs and all mm. that and the issues with Joe and it was really um, moving.
0: Yeah, and what I find with it, and I do find this with like Katherine Jack- Jackson in, in general, is that she is just like um, a family type woman. Like, she, she's not interested into the glitz and the glamour and the fame and the fortune. Like, she just wanted her, or how she's perceived, you know, my kind of knowledge of her, is that she just wanted to be comfortable, have her family happy, have them all together, you know, and... And, you know, anything that kind of stood in, that, in the way of that, she kind of deterred, you know, she wasn't really happy with, she wasn't really motivated by. And I think that was kind of the main um, juxtaposition between Joe and her was that, you know, he was obviously very ambitious. He very much had like, you know, felt like he needed to prove himself and that his family had to prove something. And he always was striving for more when she was kind of quite, wanted to be quite content in what they yeah. had. Um, and I think that's quite a common story to be honest that's quite relatable to lots of people But I think definitely that kind of like pressure that they had on them as a family that I don't you know that I guess entertainers in those days, particularly being a family group, you know, it wasn't like they were the Beatles and, you know, every one (laughs) of the Beatles had their families inspected so much because it was a family musical group and they were on like variety shows and being interviewed and stuff that and particularly being like such kind of like black entertainment icons you know, they kind of felt like they were representing everyone and that they had to kind of, um, put themselves out there in a way that, you know, represents best everyone and everyone kind of tried to, were kind of reflecting themselves onto them. So that's a, that's a really difficult kind of position to be in, to feel like you're kind of being a voice for so many, um, at, during that time when, when they were really, you know, very, very few artists of that point, um, that, that were in that position as well.
1: Yeah, I totally agree.
0: I think it's definitely due an update. I think I think that would do <laughs> really well, and I would be interested yeah. to hear because I always think about this. Like, because obviously, with Michael Jackson's life and the Jacksons, you know, in in general, their life is so you can't do a whole film about their whole life. Like, it would literally just be like snapshots of it. But I, I'd be interested. What kind of period would you be most interested in? it be recreated on like you know a, a movie screen or a miniseries I,
1: I would love to know about the period between dangerous and like the, maybe like blood of the dance like no bl- dangerous and invincible because i just feel like we okay. don't have really very many clear stories or like revelations from michael himself hmm but I don't know how we would get that from, like, a movie. But I don't know. I just feel like that's a very interesting time in his life where he became, like, a lot more independent and a lot more outspoken.
0: And, mm. of course,
1: you know, he went through a lot um, mentally, emotionally. So I would love to see.
0: Well, it was, it was, yeah, a very, like, transitional period for him during that time. Obviously, a lot of trials and a lot of kind of... I don't know. I, like, the ho- the whole way that I see the history album is that, that that's very kind of, like the pressure I felt like with every album the pressure was on even more and I think even more with history when so many kind of just said what well, he's done and dusted and there was so much sort of focus on him that he you know wasn't going to be able to make this comeback that he wasn't going to be able to sell another record again and he really felt like yeah. he had to kind of you know reinstate his position within the industry and, and for his fans and the public alike
1: yeah and he he did it was also interesting because a lot of things like there was like the one night only concert that got canceled Mm. there were like you know dangerous tour getting cut short like i just i would love to hear i would love to see visually like some of all of that go down um because it's hard to imagine like it's it's hard to imagine though like a jackson's american dream type movie becoming like Extending and going all the way through those eras. And I think it's mostly hard because I can't imagine anyone actually playing Michael. Mm. That's always an issue for me. Like, even with the upcoming Broadway play uh, that they're supposed to be doing in New York next year now, I have no idea how they're going to work that and go through the different eras and then still remain respectful of him. So that's mm. why I'm, I agree with you. Like, I feel like no one can really beat Wiley Draper in the job that he did
0: hmm yeah no I think it's and I feel like you kind of have to do Michael Jackson like diluted or like just light like try and do the voice a bit but not too much like try and yes. do some of the like mannerisms and stuff but not like overly because because you know everyone's done like there's so many kind of like comedies and parodies of him right. that like particularly later the later years it's it's harder yeah to to come from that and to Emulate Michael Jackson, but also uh, and get that kind of resemblance in your performance, but also treat him like a human being and some as someone that people can like relate to, and the story exactly. kind of makes sense and people understand like his actions and what the reasonings behind them were. Yeah, um, but I think for me the era which I'm always really interested in, in terms of just like the Jacksons in general, like the Jackson family. I think like the era that I would love to see is the kind of creating it's more obvious creating of the uh thriller album uh going into the end of the victory album into the bad album I feel like that is a very kind of tumultuous very drama filled period for the Jacksons and that just whole separation I think is a really interesting aspect of Michael Jackson's story of like coming a Separating himself away from his family, and his there being all this kind of like um, expectation on him to you know to work with his brothers, to uh, you know he was still living at home, which is kind of crazy, you know, up until he was twenty eight years old and so successful and still kind of living at home, and even just like I just think it's incredibly, um, and it's weird that they didn't mention this in the American Dream, you know, film that you know. That When Michael Jackson did Off the Wall, he paid for uh, half the house of Havenhurst and rebuilt it from scratch into, like, the building that we know today. I did
1: not even know that.
0: Did you not know that?
1: No! Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. I thought (laughs) Havenhurst was always like that from the beginning. No,
0: that's (laughs) what I thought. So when they first bought it, this was in the early 70s, they lived in a couple places, but... um, yeah they bought it and it was a kind of 70s pad with like sunken seating and it was all kind of shag power <laughs> carpets and very like you know modern and 70s and um when michael jackson kind of broke away with off the wall and was very you know doing really well his father wasn't doing so well financially so then um and he he pretty much because um katherine and um and Joseph they both had their uh, separate stakes in the property so it was split 50/50 and Joseph was like well I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to uh, sell my part because of like you know financial issues So Michael Jackson bought his second half
1: <gasps> and- oh my gosh Wow
0: <laughs> so and then the half left was split between uh, Catherine and Joseph so then Michael Jackson as soon as he did that, Said, um, okay. Well, I'm gonna completely redo the place, and he did it, even though there was like several of his family members still living in the house. He okay. like pretty much knocked down the whole thing and built this because it was only a single story, really a, a single story house, and then oh. built this kind of like chocolate box kind of mansion with the fountains and the zoo and the, you know, kind of Disney esque, oh um, yeah, grounds. That makes and stuff. so much.
1: That makes so much sense because I always, honestly, I always wondered, like, what was Michael Jackson's, I guess, investment in staying there for so long up until right, almost to the bad era, right? Yeah. And I always wondered, like, why does he want to stay there so long? And I mean, I was like, well, I guess they built him a zoo and did all that. But no, (laughs) comes to find out, he did it himself.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And really, as soon as he finished that project he was looking to actually grow and expand it like you know that was his mini kind of Disneyland inspired kind of fantasy land that he he wanted to create there for himself and then when that was because it took about two or three years for them to complete so this is from like 81 to like 83 84 okay. and um there was like murals, and there was like little little shops with like dolls in them and flowers and you know it was a real like fantasy land it wasn't and what i think is really funny is that like he didn't consider anyone else's um practicalities in terms of what they wanted like right right. (laughs) his mother was like (laughs) I wasn't really keen on like the mock Tudor style but um you know we agreed on doing light furnishing so like you know because I was worried it was going to be really dark so um yeah so he didn't consider that at all because it was exactly what he wanted and I think that's just so representative of like the a, a real kind of like physical way that he was kind of putting a stamp on his family and saying I'm the one who's the in control now like yeah. you know it was very like uh, representative of that and that that completely changed the dynamic like could you imagine if your son that like, you'd always told what to do was like physically changing the environment in which you you're living in <laughs> right <laughs> being like uh, I
1: own half of this now
0: Yeah. (laughs)
1: Wow. I'm so... Like, now I want to go to Havenhurst even more than I have before.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: I've been to the outside gates, but never inside. And it's just on my bucket list. So if anybody in the Jackson family is listening, um, (laughs) please send us an invite.
0: (laughs) Please. (laughs) So I think that whole kind of time around, like, yeah, that kind of tension between the family, I think is, like, really interesting. And also just, like you know Michael Jackson was a big star in the early 80s but like just being taken up to that level like skyrocketing into that international fame of like such magnitude that had never been experienced before like I would love to see the inner workings of that and how that would affected him during that time because yeah. obviously it was such a uh, a transformative like experience for him.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's really true and I would love to also see the moment where Michael supposedly I don't know if this is true, but he said, okay this is our last stop on the tour and the brothers thought that they were continuing. yeah um, and he basically was like, all right this is the end of the tour, thank you so much, and then canceled all of their <laughs> upcoming plans. I would love to see like what the reaction to that was backstage.
0: Well, yeah, the, the, Don King was not happy about that because obviously he was the promoter for that tour. Yeah. um so he uh yeah he had some things to say about that but the, yeah the plan with the victory tour was that they were going to take it all around i mean they had i mean this this tour was the, the tour of all tours like you know the way that they bigged it up during that time and i'm definitely going to do a video i mean literally my list is so long in terms of my videos but i want to do like a video on each tour and that yes. is a really interesting tour like the the kind of background and and the, what was happening backstage there because i think that was really when the family was really kind of unra- unraveling after that um right. and Michael Jackson kind of ended all ties with them professionally um at least but um but yeah they were planning to go to Europe and they were going to you know they had plans to go to Africa and they were going to go all around Australia and Asia and it was going to last two or three years like they were they were planning this huge thing and i yeah. think Michael was just like i'm not doing this anymore <laughs> like yeah so Um, come on to our topic of today, which is all about Michael Jackson and his relationships. Um, So obviously this is like a topic that on my channel at least is very popular. Some of the most popular videos around Michael Jackson and the kind of uh, inside story around his um, most famous or secretive kind of relationships that he's had with women, whether they were platonic or or uh, intimate. Um, people are really interested in the subject so I thought it'd be really good to kind of do a bit of an overview or a bit of a deep dive into this subject matter. You know what do you think kind of shaped, because obviously Michael Jackson was kind of like unlucky in love in lots of respects and maybe had kind of uh, had an interesting view of relationships and, and of women and I'm just interested what do you think kind of shaped Michael Jackson's view of relationships in his early life obviously his parents were like the biggest yeah. kind of impact on him um but you know like we saw in uh the american dream uh film that you know he was kind of exposed to a lot as a child very like adult environment yeah. uh, early on
1: yeah i mean i think michael jackson like you said was exposed to a lot of different relationships that might not have been the most oh uh, well i don't want to say well i'll say dysfunctional at best um mm. you know whether that's the relationship between his mother and his father or the relationships like within the Motown family. Like I'm just thinking about, you know, um, of course him seeing Diana Ross and I'm sure a lot of those celebrities had many suitors. His Mm. brothers were probably, you know, getting together with fans. So I think it almost in a way made him shy away from relationships as much as he said that he really wanted To have one, I think that because Michael was always kind of also like the golden child, and he was the the onus really was on him to like make sure that like the stage shows went well and the performances went well because he was like the main the lead singer pretty much. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think he was able to get like that type of socialization that even I mean I don't know about I would say even Marlon and. Tito and I mean, the rest of them kind of got to experiment with relationships when Michael never really had the chance, I don't think.
0: Yeah. And I think I guess it's that whole um, the whole dynamics between what his father was like and the experience of him in, in the music business and seeing. Yeah, I mean, it was the 70s, the swing, you know, swinging 70s, I'm sure there was Um, you know, lots of people having different affairs and relationships all around him and him kind of knowing of it and not really. And, and then also having that background of having a mother that was incredibly moral and religious and, you know, told them that they should, you know, um, you know, not, not have sex until they're married and that, you know, he was trying to please his father, who was obviously very kind of promiscuous and then had that his mother, which he was also trying to please. Um yeah. and, and also just the expectations of the fans and the and the um and the record label like executives and stuff that, you know, they wanted him to be uh, you know, sweet and innocent and stay young and be naive and be available and I think these all things perpetuated throughout his life that he felt people want me to be this so that's the kind of persona that I have to maintain as, you know, as a as a performer or at least publicly.
1: I totally agree with that and I also wanted to say that I think the American dream they nailed this when they kept showing you know his brothers and going and often and getting married and Michael being like how could you guys do this to the fans or mm. you know another marriage and I think it made him feel sad because his brothers were going off and doing that and getting married regardless of what the record label said or what his father said and i think like you said he did have this innate need to please joseph jackson he even said later on i think it was the oxford speech that he spoke about everything that he did in his career most of it was to get the love from his father that he never had and he Mm -hmm. just felt like he needed to do whatever he could to be the best to finally get that like validation and i think having not having a love relationship was a big part of that because I mean Joseph Jackson kind of was in the belief of hey you have girls fawning over you and you need to stay available like most pop stars kind of the idea of being like that single person that maybe you know one of the fans could date is a big part of the popularity.
0: Yeah, and I think that's obviously changed as time's gone on. Like, I think, you you know, definitely now you can be an actor or a performer and have, you know, a home life and still be a heartthrob and people still buy your music, but I think particularly then, you know when it's like was it the teeny boppers and they're all like you know yeah. have their posters on the wall and you're so kind of like disposable at that time as well like if someone came along and they were a bit cuter or a bit younger or you know they had a different kind of dance move that kind of <laughs> that caught on and um, then they would t- easily replace you so I think it's so just true. that constant like angst of like, well, I've got to maintain this kind of, you know, if, if young girls want to kind of envision themselves with me, then that's what I'm going to have to try and, you know, uh, feed into that kind of fantasy, you know?
1: Yeah. And then also just one more thing about that. Let's think about also his environment, his surroundings. Michael Jackson was like 10, 11, 12, 13 around adults mm. and at best teenagers, but I don't think he was really around girls or even other boys his age really so mm. it's hard i think also to learn to like develop in your like socialization and develop in like building relationships or even little flirting or anything if you're only around adults that's got to mm. have an impact too
0: and also when you're young like you know i don't feel like he maybe had the environment to be kind of vulnerable and naive and kind of experiment. I think like everything that he did it was under such a microscope that he kind of felt like he would be made you know, if he was vulnerable and someone took advantage of him, then that could really negatively affect him and really kind of you know, not just hurt on a personal level, but on like, you know, amplified but by putting it on a public you know, in the public realm. Um, so you know trust was a real issue I imagine as he was growing up with that type of thing as well Um, But what I hear from people around him that he wasn't really interested in girls when he was a teenager, at least. It wasn't really something that they saw him kind of... Obviously, his brothers were, you know, they had hormones flying and they were were (laughs) dating different girls here and there and they definitely partaked in all that on on tour and, and, you know, in their own personal lives. But for him, it wasn't something that he was particularly interested in. And I, I wonder whether that was because he felt like he was the golden child he had to kind of separate himself away from that that he somehow had to be bigger better be i don't know the good one like be the good child and i don't know that kind of it manifested in that way so what about when he gets a bit older like you know i know he i feel like from my experience of like just researching about him and hearing about the different relationships which he had he didn't really have like fully developed relationships with women from the start, at least, I felt like they were kind of more like fascinations, infatuations, like in his head. And he would kind of build them up to be, like, these kind of uh, dream-like women that, like, you know, he had posters on their wall of them and that he, uh, you know, fantasised about marrying them and being with... You know, it was kind of almost like a fairy tale to him. Um, And even if the, you know... I mean, the examples I'm picking out are kind of like Diana Ross and, like, Brooke Shields and things. Um, And, you know, even if they do have a personal relationship with him, I feel like he may be... developed that or read into that into something which the other person probably didn't see that in any other way and kind of got hurt by that as well
1: I mean that's kind of like a thing that I think most teenagers go through that phase of like pining after someone and being like oh he looked at me or she looked at me this way or she picked up my notebook and passed it to me I think she likes me (laughs) um I guess that's like what Michael went through in an amplified way like you mentioned Diana Ross I think it was a mixture of him looking up to her, him having this special kinship with her because she was from the Motown family. And at the time, she was huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think there were any other black women stars at all that were, like, visible. I think Oprah even said this was, like, the first black woman that was, like, glamorous and, you know, on on television, on the regular television circuit. Um, and so Diana Ross meant a lot to, like, I think black community and maybe that was another thing where he's just like oh my gosh she's the most beautiful woman and then also we're part of this motown family and maybe i have a shot you know <laughs> but wasn't she like hmm. 20 years older or at least 10
0: i think it was a 30 yeah it was a 13 year age guy um i think i feel like with him he didn't really fall i don't think he fell in love with her i think he idolized her and i think he idolized her career like obviously there's quite a lot of similarities in that obviously she was in a group she kind of came out and you know was a successful solo artist she was a film star as well i think being a black performer he really kind of looked up to her and saw as i mean she was a real trailblazer um in the music industry and kind of you know, kind of set a benchmark in terms of what he could accomplish potentially. Um, so I, I don't know whether it was actual love with Diana Ross as a person or whether it's the image or whether it's what she represented. Um, I think you can easily have these infatuations that kind of go really deep over many years that he kind of like Played upon, and, may- and maybe even like when they did have interactions, and she would, you know, because she's a very vivacious, like flirty character anyway, oh, yeah. and she's, you know, <laughs> a, you know, a very charismatic, you know, woman as you would be if you're, you know, an international superstar, um, but. You know, and I imagine if she, you know, a touch on the shoulder or, you know, a kind of flip of the hair and he would kind of, you know, melt because he just thinks, oh, my gosh, she must be into into me. Or maybe that's a sign of something, um, but not actually kind of thinking, I don't know, maybe she does this with everyone or maybe she just, you know, likes me as a friend or, you yeah. know, is really close to me because of our connection, um, you know, early on and things like that
1: yeah i mean that's that's certainly a relationship that i think a lot of there there's just so much material around it also the fact that when michael passed away i think he left his children he asked mm. her to be the guardian and yeah maybe he just always wanted had that vision of them being like this power couple because it could have i mean realistically though if you look at like some of their performances during the off the wall era together I mean mm. it could've worked. It could have been like, you know, a Motown era Beyonce Jay Z type of thing. Yeah.
0: No? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I you know what, but I think it was just a very different time there. I think in general, like age gaps in relationships were really frowned upon. Yeah. And I think the association with you know with when he was a child that Probably wouldn't have worked that well for her image, anyway. True. Um, but what I think is interesting is that I mean, we can we can kind of say, oh, it was all in his head, and he kind of read into things. But I mean, there's multiple interviews with her during the early '80s where she's kind of saying, like, you know, well, you you know, I love Michael Jackson, and I just think he's amazing, and like, you know, I I you know, I want to marry him, and all this stuff. So I don't know if she kind of played upon that as much, because I kind of feel like. You know, I mean, not to be kind of conceited in any way, but I feel like, um, Diana Ross like just a history of her career like she kind of not uses people but she kind of you know pivots yeah, <laughs> and <yeah>. manipulates situations <laughs> in order to benefit herself and obviously Michael Jackson is this kind of like rising star at the time and he was um you know really kind of maybe reinvented her in some young fans eyes as being current and you know still being relevant and that association that really close association with her maybe she saw it as benefiting her career and her her public's persona at that time
1: i totally agree i can totally see that happening now that you mention it that way it it could very yeah. well be so
0: but i i think the whole thing with him leaving his kids his kids to her that was another reason like i think like she there was there was some kind of quote from her at the time but she was just very much like um i don't know like this wasn't discussed with me i don't know why he's done that like it was something which is kind of i don't know like a bit of a surprise to her at least
1: yeah and i i mean i just i don't know it's just i've even heard like rumors that like maybe there was some type of relationship between michael jackson and diana ross but it's just so hard because it's like there are no like really first-hand accounts because that has to come from michael or from diana and neither one of them are saying anything
0: yeah maybe
1: in her memoir hopefully she'll write something else i i don't i i feel like she already has a memoir but maybe she'll write another one before she you know before she gets too old and she'll reveal
0: yes (laughs) (laughs) i'm actually seeing diana ross i've got tickets to her she was meant to come to london in july oh wow um but I think it's well, it's been pushed on until next year. So yeah, so I'm excited I'm excited about that. I, I'm just at this point where it's like and also I'm planning to see the Jacksons next year as well. They're doing some like um, like, revival 80s or 70s, um, like, festival in the UK, so I'm like, you know what, there's gonna be a day when these people aren't around and they're not performing, I'm gonna have to lap it up all now, because I don't want to be, like, 70 and being like, I could have seen them, I didn't. Yeah,
1: oh my gosh, the Jacksons Uh. are so good live, I mean, post, you know, they're so good live, I've seen them on the Unity tour and stuff like that, yeah, like, like, 2011, they're great.
0: Oh, amazing, yeah, I've seen a couple performances on YouTube, so I'm definitely gonna do that as well you know outside of kind of like idolization or kind of these naive like love interactions do you like how do you see kind of like Michael Jackson like developing and the type of like what he was looking for in a relationship as he got a bit older I'm thinking kind of past thriller into like bad and dangerous kind of era like because I feel like he kind of got beyond that kind of Puppy dog eyes. Yes. realize <laughs> You
1: know, I think what Michael really wanted more than anything was for someone to see him as, like, a human being or as a person, not as a personality, mm. as he said once. Um, I think a lot of times, like, he shared in his autobiography, Moonwalk, that he would walk around the streets lonely at nights, and this is during the off-the-wall era, looking for, like, a friend or looking for someone to just, like, interact with on a human basis. And I want to read a quote that he shared because I was so, like, I was so taken aback when I read it, but it made a lot of sense. (laughs) He says, My dating and relationships with girls have not had the happy ending I've been looking for. Something always seems to get in the way. The things I share with millions of people aren't the sort of things you share with one. And then he says... Many girls want to know what makes me tick, why I live the way I live or do the things I do, trying to get inside my head. They want to rescue me from loneliness, but they do it in such a way that they give me the impression they want to share my loneliness, which I wouldn't wish on anybody because I believe I'm one of the loneliest people in the world. So, Yeah.
0: What was that from?
1: Uh, Moonwalk. It's from his autobiography. Moonwalk. Yeah. From his autobiography. So I think he needed someone to like... In, relate to on a personal level, and everything was just like a fan interaction, pretty much.
0: Well, and I, I guess it's a really hard mix because if, you know you don't want someone who's a fan of you who's fanatical and just wants uh, you know just wants to be with the the persona of Michael Jackson, um, but equally you do not want someone who doesn't care for him as you know as a fan but then at the same time is um using him for other reasons or might be you know want him for his money or the lifestyle or the fame or they have some kind of ulterior motive um and then equally at the other turn like you don't want someone who has crawled out of a cave and doesn't even know who he is. Right. Um and then, you know, once they're in a relationship, they really connect. And then once they're kind of thrown into this like public life, they can't handle it. So it's a very, very few people could kind of I don't know, like accommodate him in that way.
1: Yeah, and I and I think that's why he talked about the Brooke Shields thing with so much like pain I mean, I feel like he was really hurt by that relationship where supposedly they had a relationship of some sorts, were going out on dates, and he thought it was going somewhere and that they were serious, and then I think she was told by advisors that it wouldn't be good for her career or something, so when she was asked about their relationship in public, she was like, there is nothing, we're just friends, and he was really hurt by that because I think that he probably thought, oh, well... She's got her own career. She's got her own thing going, but she understands the show business. And maybe this could be something of, you know, something meaningful.
0: Mm. And, that's, and that's why I think it's very interesting with him and Lisa Marie Presley. Because, you know, I think that, I think that relationship is kind of, it's too convenient for people not to speculate whether it was real or not. But I think for me, it kind of makes a lot of sense, like they're both, you know, there's so much kind of similarities in their life in terms of this kind of superstardom that they've kind of grown up in um, and being able, you know, not being able to trust people around them and being kind of a bit more... Um, jaded in 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 that way against you know people who aren't in their inner circles. Yeah. um And I think in terms of their like personalities, I think they kind of work because I imagine obviously Michael Jackson was very creative and playful and liked to have fun. And I imagine that he wanted someone who could like interact with him on that level, but also maybe someone who's a bit of a ying and a yang. Like I imagine Lisa Marie Presley is kind of okay, Michael. Like let's get back to business. Right. Let's like you know. What's what are we what are we doing here? Or we, you know, are we going out for dinner? Or are we gonna stay in? You know that type of thing. Um, and I imagine her kind of putting him in this place in that way, and that working in in in, in that way as well. Yeah. Uh, but and I felt like he could fully trust her. Like she had as much to lose from this relationship as he did as well. Like it, there the power dynamic was very similar in 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 that respect. Yeah,
1: I agree, and I think, but you know. I don't know if you guys have all seen this, but she did the, um, the, the Oprah interview. I don't know if you've seen it, mm. Matt, where after Michael died, she did an interview. And she talked about like how there was some difficulty there because I guess in the beginning, he kind of liked her being like grounding him or whatever, you know, keeping him down to earth and challenging mm. him in that way. But then when he really wanted certain things or like and she wouldn't give in, he would just kind of like ice her out. And Mm. I think he probably was used to doing that with his circles. You know, like, he's Michael Jackson, so... If he doesn't get what he wants. No one wants.
0: says no to Michael Jackson. Yeah. You know? he, he didn't really have to in his life have to accommodate people that much. Like if he wasn't happy with what they were doing or what they were saying, then he would just get rid of them. He, would, he wouldn't he would even have a conflict with them. They would just not be in his life anymore. Right. And that's what happened. I mean, consistently all throughout business and personal relationships, that's generally the impression that people got, that if he wasn't happy with you for some reason, you just wouldn't be there anymore and you know and and there would be no there would be no drama there would be no conflict you just wouldn't be there anymore
1: yeah and i think for a relationship that definitely doesn't work like yeah <laughs> it just <laughs> i mean i think lisa marie told a story about like how they got into some type of argument or some type of disagreement and then he just like left with like some of his like I don't know if it was Macaulay Culkin or who and went like to another country and was like I'll be back next week or two weeks from now. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. I'm going to Disneyland. Like (laughs) Whatever. Who knows. I'll I'll come back whenever I want to. You know I'm the boss type thing.
1: Yeah. um, Um, But that's okay. And I don't know if we can talk about this yet with Debbie Rowe. I really want to know how that was because she seemed to be Totally just like a regular normal person. And I would like to know Mm. what, like, was that real? How are their interactions? Um, Because that might have been the most, like, I mean, he would, I don't know. I just wonder if that was like the most normal relationship, actually, in the end.
0: Hmm. I don't know, I mean, I, I've i done some research into this, but my general impression is, is that she was really just a surrogate for him oh. and that it was kind of, it wasn't really a, a personal relationship in that way. Like I think from like some of his staff or like security, they said that in his house, there was no pictures of her anywhere even after he divorced lisa marie presley there was pictures of them there was pictures of diana roses pictures of brooke shields wow. but there was never any pictures of her okay um so i i mean you know there will be a video coming up about that as well but yes. um I can't but wait. yeah like, but what um but yeah I would be interested to see perspective on that relationship was and whether that has changed like whether it was purely transactional or whether there was some kind of like feelings or unacquainted kind of like affection there that they did have some kind of connection even if even if it was platonic but they had some kind of um yeah understanding of each other that was deeper than just you know I want I want children and you're gonna give them to me
1: right yeah yeah I I just, as a fan, I definitely, like, I remember when Debbie Rowe came on, I think it was not private home movies, but it was, like, the rebuttal to private home movies when, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, the real, the real truth or something. And she came on there and she was like, yeah, Michael and I, you know, we'd lay in bed every, on the weekends and just watch TV in bed all day. And this was a real, you know, Michael was such a sweet person and blah, blah, blah. And I, yeah. I don't know. I think, like, her like revealing those details at that moment made me feel like wow this is great like Michael finally connected with someone because as a fan it's really hard to like think about Michael Jackson being like so lonely and never feeling like he has anyone on his side or have his back and it's like mm. we as all fans we're like I'll be your friend like you know yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's like you don't have to be lonely yeah <laughs> I mean, because she's never gone into detail. Because I imagine, like, if she was such, like, a porn for, you know, where, like, she was pretty much, like, paid to give him uh, children, then, like, don't you think she, you know, I don't know, wouldn't she be used as an asset more to kind of show, like, a bit more of his kind of, I don't know, you know, during that time with the allegations and stuff, right. like they would want to try and make him out like, no, he's a completely regular, you know, heterosexual, completely normal guy in that respect. And then have her come on some interview and, you know, say something that's kind of, you know, indicative of that. Yeah,
1: I've always wondered, this is what I've always wondered, because I've always heard people talk, I mean, especially like the bodyguards, they released their book and they talked about how michael jackson you know he had girlfriends and he had women and and i'm Mm. like if that's the truth i mean one of these ladies has to like just not care about an nda and just want to like go out there and tell her side of the story there's no one that's coming out really besides the people that we've all mentioned
0: um i think there's a few but they're all kind of it's it's all very like underground and it's very kind of like speculative yeah there's a few like even just asking questions on this matter like there's a lot like are you going to talk about this person or this person who's meant to father their child and blah 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 so i think um i think there are a few here and there but um but yeah i i think um yeah, none that are kind of seen as, none with any evidence at least. So it seems like any woman that was kind of photographed with Michael Jackson, that they could have just come up with, oh yeah, like, you know, we had a two year long affair and we were having wild sex in, you know, yeah. Netherland, whatever, <laughs> you know. Um, And then, you know, it becomes a very, like, tabloid story. And, you know, but also just it makes sense. If you had a picture of Michael Jackson and, like, a a lot of women would be, like, tempted by hundreds of, potentially millions of dollars, you know, in the early 90s to be able to, you know, kind of embellish, if not completely fabricate, these stories about him. Um, So I'm surprised it hadn't happened more um, in that case. Me
1: too. But I think also there is that, like desire by the media to like make him look like he's like some otherworldly type of being they don't want to make him look normal so maybe Mm. they were like oh we're not gonna run that story we're like sticking with you know the idea of what we have michael jackson i mean i don't know but i wish we had those stories because i need like i i'm just so curious
0: and what's the interesting thing now is that, like, you know, obviously lots of people say to me, like, aren't you going to run out of Michael Jackson content? And it's like, there's so much stuff coming out, even like now. Like last year, a new story has come out and there's actually evidence that kind of backs it up and stuff. So, you know, this isn't like, you know, it's not like a chapter's closed. Which, like, no. this is still open and there's still like things, you know, evidence coming to head that give a greater insight into what he was like um, in relationships. Yes. So we've kind of gone through like a few periods here, like very early life, then him as like a teenager and a young adult, and then him kind of like in the bulk of his adulthood. What do you think his love life was really kind of, let's say the last like 10 years of his life, do you think that was like a significant thing for him? Do you think he had relationships?
1: I don't know. I mean, I always thought that he was very much by himself, but when I read the Bodyguards book, and again, this is all hearsay, we don't know whether this is true or not, They seem to say, like, oh, Michael Jackson had, you know, two or three different women that were in his life while they were bodyguards for him. This is, I think, between, well, I'm guessing, like, 2000 and... Well, actually, I don't know the exact numbers, but it's, you know, after his trial, I think. In the
0: 2000s. Right. Oh, really? Yeah, I
1: think it was after his trial when he came back from wherever he was living. Was it Bahrain or something like that? And they were bodyguards for him up, right, almost to the part where... He did This Is It. And they acted like they said that he had girlfriends. I just can't envision it because I just, where was she? Where was she during the um, memorial? Or where was she during, Mm -hmm. like, all the television circuits where they had everybody from his chef to his bodyguard to his nanny on television? Like, it's just Mm -hmm. mind-blowing to me that no one has come out and said anything. So that's what leads me to believe that there was no one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't really make sense. And what I think is interesting is like, so with that, uh, Phil Donahue, um, interview with the Jacksons that I mentioned earlier, they, uh, so one of the audience members asked like, Oh, um, we don't really see Michael Jackson with anyone. Like, you know, has she, has he got a steady girlfriend at the moment? Is he seeing anyone? And, um, yeah. Like the family were just like, Michael Jackson has lots of girlfriends. Uh, but he doesn't have anyone at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> and it, and you and but you feel like there was this kind of, you know, people always wanting to say like he's, you know, he's got lots of girlfriends, he's got abnormal love life and um yeah, but there's no one here to, to show for it. So it's it's, it's, <laughs> it's a bit of a weird weird way of things going and you know lots of people could say oh yeah well you know they've all hushed hushed and they can't say anything but like there's so much stuff that people just kind of like make up about him that you think uh, i just think i find it odd that no one's even just made up a weird like oh yeah i had a relationship with michael jackson I'm, there has been a couple but nothing that has had huge like you know public realm type exposure to right. it Right,
1: and the stories that are made up they're all like Oh, me and Michael Jackson, we hooked up one or two times and then, you know, the rest of the relationship was kind of in my head sort of deal. Well, that's like what I gather yeah. from it anyway. There's yeah. no one that's been like, I spent three months at Neverland and we went and did this. And we went on the carousel and did that. Nothing. <laughs> like, yeah. so yeah
0: or, or, or something that's just very detailed like we i went on tour with him and i was here at these dates and we went to this restaurant and i met up with you know this other famous person while they were visiting them or something you know it's always just very like yeah like you know i, I yeah i've stayed at neverland and we had a <laughs> you know we kissed once right that's, that's it like, okay well i think in this part i'll probably go on to the questions yeah The first one, I would be interested... Because I always get this kind of comment on my YouTube all the time. Do you think Michael Jackson was asexual or bisexual or gay? Like, do you have any kind of, like, inkling around that? Because I know I have my kind of opinions on this topic.
1: Um, I I mean, I always thought that he... Well, because I'm basing everything on, like, his love for Diana Ross and Lisa, I I would always say that he was heterosexual. Um, Mm. Asexual... I mean, if I, I was going to pick anything else, maybe, but I just because we didn't really see him having relationships outwardly in the public. But I always thought he was heterosexual. I didn't, because I haven't heard mm. any other rumors.
0: Yeah. Well, it's funny, like, on my Prince and Michael Jackson video, I always get comments like, oh, two gay guys just having arguments with each other. Oh. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I mean, the thing is, as people ask me this question, I'm kind of like... There's just absolutely no evidence of it in any way. Like no one's even made up a story right. about it, which again I think is very odd. Like you think that would be a good, a big press story that some masseuse comes out, like you know, with other celebrities and says, "Oh yeah, I used to, you know, give him a happy ending or whatever." Yeah. Uh, but but no one's no one's ever done that, and there's no evidence of it, so I just don't believe it's true at all. I did read one story, which was about him going to um, a gay bar in West Hollywood when. He was um, recording um, Thriller, mm. and it was because one of his uh, someone someone within his team or part of the like recording um, sort of team um, took him there without him knowing it was actually a gay bar. And he, <laughs> I just think it's the most hilarious <laughs> story though. So apparently, Michael Jackson goes to this bar with this guy. Gets an orange juice, sits at the bar, then sees two guys kissing as they're walking in, freaks out, and runs out of the place. (laughs) So, which... You know, it's all speculative. Whether it actually happened or not, I'm not sure. But I could so imagine that being the yeah. reaction that we'd have at that time. I just imagine him, like, with his very religious uh, background and his, you know, his mother and, like, you know, him being uh, incredibly famous and worried about his reputation and stuff. I just imagine during that time that that probably would have been his reaction. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, yeah, I think the closest thing you could say is maybe asexual. I don't know whether that is, uh, you know, maybe through like trauma or just being kind of like, st- like stunted uh, because of his like early childhood development right. in relationships that he didn't really feel comfortable to kind of like engage with that with people because he just always felt like he was so vulnerable and he was so worried about opening him up in that way. Okay, and then the next question... What type of woman did, uh, do you think Michael Jackson liked? So what do you think his type was?
1: Oh, well, I think he liked women that were kind of... Well, elegant, glamorous, yes, mm-hmm. but also, like, <laughs> feisty.
0: Yeah.
1: I see, like, you know, everyone from, and you just did, you know, your video was great on this, like, with Stephanie Mills, she's got a little spunk to yeah, her. Yeah,
0: she's really fun, <laughs> like, I really yeah. enjoyed her while I was doing those videos. Uh, she's a great personality.
1: Yeah, but, like, her and Diana's got the spunk and the flirtatiousness, and mm. Lisa Marie has, oh, has got it as well, I think, she's kind of like a firecracker in her own right. Yeah. Um... So, like, I think that he liked that. I think he enjoyed that. And, of course, I think um, someone with a good heart, you know, I'm just going back to, like, his mother. He always, like, kind of idolized his mother as, like, kind of like this very, um, like, the ideal mother and the ideal wife kind of thing. So maybe maybe that type of woman, too, would be attractive to him.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I think that's very true. I, I feel like she he almost loved women that were, like, um almost yeah very glamorous very elegant very like a film star type it's interesting with lisa marie like the best she ever looked was with michael jackson i don't know whether he like styled her or like gave her some money to get a stylist yes. or whatever like you know she to,
1: was looking great <laughs> so
0: yeah. glam yeah do a kind of pretty woman uh, shopping spree and whatever bloomingdales <laughs> or something um but yeah because before that like in the late 80s she was a bit of a rock chick a bit of like grunge kind of vibe to her and then she like as soon as like she got with michael jackson it was like hollywood glamour and you know looked very yeah. elegant and very um yeah, very kind of graceful.
1: I I always think about those pictures of them walking in Neverland. They're like walking yeah. in the park and she's got like four-inch heels on. Yeah,
0: which it's, I just yeah. feel like is so not her.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> like, I because I, I don't know. I get the general impression of her that she's kind of... Yeah, she's like a rocker type at heart. I agree.
1: I think her vibes are more like... Yeah, like you said, low-key, rocker. Yeah. I feel like her style was almost more similar to like a Paris Jackson now kind of like more hippie vibe yeah
0: yeah that is actually true yeah I can't imagine yeah and I think that's a good match with Michael Jackson as well like I don't think he would go for someone who's very like meek and demure and very like a, a wallflower and just would kind of You know, he, I think he, I think he liked that kind of, that kind of to and fro of a bit of banter and a bit of laughing and joking with each other and, and that feistiness as well.
1: Definitely. I think it was great. Like, I would have loved to see more interactions with him and Lisa, like how they had on the Diane Sawyer interview, even though I heard that, like, she was mad that it didn't go as well because he wasn't being serious. But Mm. I loved it. I thought it was, like, very indicative of probably their relationship how it really is behind the scenes.
0: Yeah, I feel like she was very like serious during that time. Like, I feel like she, and I guess maybe with her friends and family, they were kind of like, she had, she felt like she had something to prove and maybe like, yeah, she felt like he wasn't taking it as seriously um but what's interesting in that relationship as well like obviously doing those videos that i did about them um and trying to look for like footage and images of them together and there weren't there's you know because there's always like behind the scenes or like candid shots of like michael jackson in any scenario and i didn't really find any which weren't really like publicly um like a public outing or like an appearance or something like I didn't see, like, you know, like, I don't know, them around a friend's house having dinner or, you know, them snuggling oh. up on the sofa and like someone took a picture, you know, I just didn't really, I didn't really see those images. So yeah, it would be nice if there was like some, you know, he had home footage of like so many of those years, but there wasn't really any of them together. Um, Not that I can think of at least.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen any. I mean, there's got to be VHS tapes, because he documented everything, I feel like. Yeah. Um, so maybe one day, you know, we'll get to see.
0: Maybe. maybe. Maybe that's something that Lisa Marie Presley, like, took away with her, and you know, because I know she's oh, fiercely true. private and wouldn't want any of that, you know, exposed, so... Okay, and then um, next question is, um, is there a possibility those early-onset vitiligo made him self-conscious with girls? And and actually thinking beyond that, maybe his, like, poor sort of self-body image or his, you know, appearance he was always concerned about, do you feel that kind of, like, hampered him in, like, finding love, I guess?
1: Um, I mean, maybe, because, like, if we look at him from, like, our television screens or YouTube, whatever... You were just seeing him, and he looked handsome. I mean, I always think Michael Jackson looked looked handsome, even in the years when he, his skin to- totally changed mm. um, color. But, like, the practicality of it, does he have on a ton of makeup? Is it going to rub off on someone when they're touching? Like... Mm. Just those things that we never really think about uh, might have.
0: Yeah. And also, an like, just wearing makeup like that, just from a practical level, you're wearing a mask. And in some way, you're kind of, you know, you, you don't want people to get close to you because you're just worried about, yeah, it rubbing off on what, the, you know, on their clothing. Um, so it, it's kind of a, it's a, if not a physical barrier, it's a mental barrier to, towards, like, intimacy with someone. Um, I know Lisa Marie Presley said that he wore makeup to bed um so wow <laughs> so I <laughs> can't imagine what their sheets were like you know in the morning but um because right. I don't know whether he was confident I, I mean him speaking you know he, he seemed like he had such great confidence and he obviously had an appearance that was very eclectic on his own so you think there right. would be confidence from within that like it wasn't like he just kind of tried to you know he wore kind of uh quite flamboyant clothing and he kind of had his own like way of doing his hair and makeup and stuff like um that you know i i so so it kind of makes you think he he had confidence in his look in some way but maybe he was very like self-conscious and didn't really want to expose himself to uh, particularly someone new like in that respect
1: yeah, I mean, I think that it definitely probably had an impact, but more than anything else, I think it was more like his upbringing and like his social settings that like probably stunted him in terms of like the exploration of relationships and all.
0: Uh, next up is our quick fire. There's um, the island disc ground? I think we're, are we on the last one now? Yeah.
1: Yes. Yep.
0: Wow. Okay. So then we're getting into the semifinals or the next round. So it's going to get harder and harder, really. Right. So first one is Al Capone or Music and Me.
1: I'm going to have to go with Al Capone. I just love it.
0: Yeah, I love that song. Um,
1: you also have Al Capone or Music and Me.
0: Yeah, I I love Music and Me, and that's definitely on, like, my chilled... I don't know, do you think you're more, like, into the ballads over the dancey, or... I don't know, which one do you think you listen to most?
1: I think I listen to... Okay, now I listen to the dancey things more, but when I was younger and, like, really getting into Michael Jackson, I wanted to, like, really connect, and I listened to a lot (laughs) more ballads
0: yeah and you're like what does this mean (laughs) like yeah yeah what are you trying to say yeah um yeah but I love Al Capone and I I feel like it's a really interesting song like I don't feel like it's um like in terms of structurally it's very unconventional you know it does feel like a kind of patchwork it was didn't he say before that this was a song that Took ages for the uh, to produce. I think he was. This was in some um, court case about da- the uh, dangerous. Okay. And he said that Al Capone, that he was working on this song for a long time and got very like frustrated with it because it just wasn't coming oh. out how he expected it to, and then it kind of evolved into a smooth criminal in the end. But I okay. I really like the result. Like I can understand why because I don't. It's not really a single type track. Right. But it's more just kind of like experimental. Right next for you is Mama's Pearl and um, I Want You Back. So quite similar, similar era.
1: I'm gonna have to go with I Want You Back because it's just so classic. I can't. I don't think I could do without that one.
0: Yeah. It's funny. Recently, I did a quiz and um, they they the question which they asked was which uh, boy band's first single. sorry which boy band's debut single was named i want you back and i didn't say jackson five but there's another boy band do you know who it is
1: oh in sync
0: (laughs) yeah that's (laughs) Um, another song that i really like as well
1: yes oh my gosh i loved i loved in sync yeah you have mama's pearl or big boy
0: oh big boy that's my favorite
1: Wow. And man. I like that
0: they, did they, I can't remember now. I don't think they depicted that in American Dream, them recording Big Boy.
1: No, they made it, it was a different song. It was like a cover
0: it. or something. I, I I'm think.
1: going to Kansas City. That's the one I remember. <laughs> Kansas City, here I come. That's yeah, what yeah. they did. Yeah. But I think that was made up because I don't know that Michael ever recorded that.
0: Yeah see why would you make it up you know what was really good about that film as well they had all the original music so it wasn't like yeah they were trying to do some karaoke version of it and That's, you know or yeah or, yeah or just not being able to put any of the music in it so I feel that really added to it
1: music biopics without music are very hard to digest for me I just can't get into <laughs> them
0: <laughs> yeah I can imagine All right, next one for you is black or white or a lovely one.
1: Oh, that's so hard. But I think I'm going to go with black or white because I love the rap and it's, you know, it's a dynamic song, black or white for sure.
0: I'm trying to like appreciate it more. I've been, I've been having it in like mixes like, as mm-hmm. part of other songs, and I'm kind of enjoying it. Or even just, like, uh, I did a video recently which was all about the um, the tour and the album commercials that he's done, like, throughout his career, and just how they, like, mix it in or have it in the background, like, during the commercial and stuff. I just, yeah, I like it in that context. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's
1: yeah, a good one. Okay, so you're, you have to choose between, with
0: with a child's heart and lovely one oh kind of the same with music and me um you know i'm not like super crazy on any of them but i'll probably say lovely one like it is such a like high energy fun song and i absolutely love that album i i saw yeah. in your um your album collection did you say that uh, triumph is known to be like the best michael um jackson's album
1: yes everyone always says that that's their favorite well most fans that i know say that that's their favorite jackson's album triumph
0: yeah i'm very i'm very impressed with your cd collection
1: oh thank you and i love
0: i love how they're all like used they're not perfect they're not all like in their packaging and like well some of them are but you know but they're like just loved cds that you've had and
1: yes my collection is very loved and worn down but it's great (laughs) because at least i get to share like i can open the stuff you know yeah one of the cds was cracked i wanted to show that but i was like maybe people will be mad at me if they see that my my invincible (gasps) is cracked (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) do you listen to them anymore or do you just play them in the car or something
1: uh i like if i'm really in the mood to like let's just listen i'll listen to a whole album i want to listen to a whole album then i will use the cd but i rarely Mm. listen anymore it's mostly spotify making tracks
0: yeah oh you, you know what mine's youtube there's so many great just getting like the 16 uh sorry the 12 inch like versions of like songs and just hearing it in a different like light like there's a really good version um of like Rock With You and uh, Don't Stop Till You Get Enough, which is incredible, um, which is kind of a bit of a mix. It's like a longer mix, but I always listen to that version rather than like the CD edit. Wow.
1: Yeah. I've got to get back on my YouTube like when it term- in terms of listening to music because mm. um, you're right. There's so many cool remixes and a lot of the like B-sides and like the extra tracks on the single remix, the single... Mm. Releases are on YouTube and you can't find them on like Spotify or Apple Music.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. Um, next one for you is Speed Demon or Butterflies. I think I think I know what this is gonna be.
1: Uh, I will have to go with butterfly. Yeah, it's yeah. so good.
0: <laughs> I love your filter that you have on Instagram. They're like oh, butterfly yes! one. Yeah. It's so
1: fun. I like, I try not to use it indoors. I try to uh, like, you know, because <laughs> I want to use it all the time. It's so cute.
0: Yeah. I have to limit it in some way. Yes. Okay.
1: Uh, okay, so same for you, actually. Speed Demon or Butterflies?
0: Mine's going to be Butterflies as well. I remember when I was, yeah, when I was really getting into Michael Jackson, like the first time around, when I was about like 12, that track was like, like Heaven Can Wait and, that, and Butterflies are like, probably, yeah, the two just like really easy, like, f- like fun R&B tracks that I loved at that time.
1: Yeah, Butterflies was so good. Like, I just, I really wish that we had a video or some type of live performance or something to go with it.
0: Yeah, good. Oh, good could you, you know what, but it's really interesting. I can't really envision, like, because obviously with all those tracks, like, walking to school every day, I would have, like, this is what the video would be, like, in my head playing. I would, like... You know, every scene would be like <laughs> I would be <laughs> thinking about. But with butterflies, I can't really imagine. I would know what the video for Heaven Can Wait be, and I, oh. I, it would have been incredible. Uh, maybe that's another video. But <laughs> for <laughs> but or, um, but yeah, for butterflies, I can't think of what the video would be like. Um, yeah, I'm thinking a lot of CGI, CGI butterflies going around. Yes, <laughs>
1: that would be that would be good. It's hard yeah. to imagine, because, like, he didn't really have very many slow song um, music videos where he was mm-hmm. in them. Like, all I could think about is She's Out of My Life, but after that, everything else was pretty fast.
0: Well, like, Stranger Moscow?
1: Oh, yes.
0: I'm thinking That's true. other ones. I mean, well, Cry, maybe- but he wasn't in it. Right. Um, will You Be Stranger. There? Th- See, it's always, like, a concept performance, or... Yeah, yeah. That is so true. But I guess like yeah I guess maybe they just didn't prioritize them for like slow songs where you know it'd probably just be him singing. Okay next one for you is One Day in Your Life or The Lady in My Life.
1: Definitely Lady in My Life and I was just thinking about that because I was like I wish we had a video for that.
0: (laughs) Yeah that would be really cool. I feel like I imagine in the future they might do videos for like past songs like if they did if the, let's say they were going to do a re-release i've actually already thought of the video for this but if they were going to do a re-release of like um a remastered like reworked version of like rock with you um yeah. and then i you know with all the stuff with like the deep fakes have you seen like where they can put you like the artist's face on an on someone's yes. face and do I imagine, like, maybe not now because maybe it'll look a little bit etchy, but I can imagine in the future they'll do it, like, really well and in a way of, like, it's almost ethereal. Like, he's coming to life for, like, one last performance. And I don't know. It's it's kind of ethereal in that way rather than, like, Michael Jackson's just back and he's on someone's face, you know?
1: Right, right, yeah. I think they definitely would want to do that if they could. Yeah. Because he just keeps appealing to, like new generations so yeah well,
0: see. well and because that's what i was hoping with like the hologram like if they were going to do a hologram it like i feel like the best use that they could use with holograms is not here's Whitney Houston, or here's Michael Jackson on stage, I feel like it would be good if it was still kind of mysterious, like, it was a bit of a silhouette, if it was a bit, you saw bits of it, that they kind of, like, you know, he spun around, and then he, like, disappeared, and, you know, yeah. in sparkles flying, you know, like, I don't know, something that kind of, like, was more, like, magical, and I think Michael Jackson would actually really love that to be his legacy, to go on in that way, rather than just, like, yeah, like, there's, uh, slave to the Rhythm performance which like oh, I don't think yeah. was that that brilliant to be honest.
1: <laughs> Me either. I feel like they should take the Do you remember in Ghosts? He had like the little dots on his body when he was like doing the I don't know what it's called, but he they were doing like I guess the CGI or the 3d animation of like yeah. the yeah. Can they take that and make that a hologram because that's really his him the problem with michael being a hologram is to me the movements never it always looks like an impersonator
0: <laughs> yeah or it just seems <laughs> quite like robotic you just don't yes. get that like fluidity to it um and obviously yeah that was him doing it so can't they at least use that in some way or right or, or just do a like maybe i mean i don't know whether the estate would do anything for ghosts in that way like a revamped or like you know we're gonna kind of do the skeleton dance again but like in a different way or that would have been cool if they did that for the scream album i
1: would have loved it we have some great ideas i like it
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah we do we do so yours is okay. definitely lady in your life
1: yes and your you have to choose between the same ones one day in your life or lady in my life
0: i'm gonna say one day in your life i don't really listen to lady oh. in your life It's lady okay. in my life yeah i don't know why i just yeah one day in your life i'm just i don't know i feel like during that time in michael jackson's life and career he's very like there's not a lot of him and i feel like that's a very i don't know like how old he He was like 17 or something when he did that song yeah i just think it's very like sweet and naive song so i love it okay next one for you is uh working day and night or i can't help it
1: uh, I'm gonna go with working day and night because I just need that song. <laughs> I love it too much. I just
0: need that song.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's non-negotiable at this point.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay you have invincible or carousel.
0: Oh um, I'm probably gonna say I probably gonna say carousel. That's so great. I'm surprised they haven't released that as a track. I feel like that's, like, out of the most, out of his, like, was that ever released? Was that ever, was that part of the Thriller 25?
1: They, uh well, they released it on the special editions, a snippet of it in, like, 2001 when they did the special edition ones. And I think they released the full version on Thriller 25, I think.
0: Oh, Okay. Yeah, I feel like that could be so, like, another Love Never Felt So Good, like, big single for the estate. I I feel like it's such a fun, easy, very, like, Michael-type track, you know? Who could sing about carousels like that and be so, like, whimsical and, like, fun with it?
1: Exactly. I I agree with you.
0: Okay, and for you, it is um, Why You Wanna Trip On Me or This Time Around?
1: Um I'm going to go with Why You Wanna Trip On Me.
0: Yeah. Good choice.
1: Okay, so for you I have the same ones, Why You Wanna Trip On Me or This Time Around.
0: Um I love both of these. I feel like they're very similar songs as well, even though they're from different time periods. But um Yeah. It's definitely uh, why you want to trip on me. Very like angsty and aggressive and like funky, like very like. Yeah,
1: I agree. And it's yeah, I think um, it's very relevant. He talks about like so many social issues in that song. Mm. If you don't like if you look past the title, um, you'll be like, wow. Like I was listening to it the other day and I was like amazed. Um, It's pretty good. Deep
0: yeah. meanings. What, do you do? You even know what this time around is about? Just off your head. I'm just saying, oh. I can't even think what the song's about. I'm sure there's quite a few Michael Jackson songs that I don't even know what's yeah. about. <laughs> I haven't actually sat down and read all the lyrics, you know? <laughs>
1: um. Well, I think that this time around is, like, I feel... Well, maybe it's going too deep, but I always feel like he regretted, like, paying off the the first people that accused him. And, like, he felt like he went too easy on it and he didn't fight back.
0: Uh.
1: And I feel like this time around was he was like, I'm taking no that, you know, he was, like, not <laughs> taking it anymore. And he was going to yeah. fight back. And you really thought you were going to, you know, tr- you know, get me out there, but you're not. I'm going to win. So I feel <laughs> like that was I just feel like he was talking about that.
0: Yeah. No, I can imagine. Clever. <laughs> All right. Next one for you is very similar songs. Money or Tabloid Junkie.
1: Um, I'm going to go with Tabloid Junkie. Oh, my gosh. That's so hard. Babe. Yeah, it
0: is really hard.
1: Uh, okay. Tabloid Junkie. I just commit. I'm going to commit.
0: Yeah. Have I got the same or anything different?
1: Yes. You have Tabloid Junkie and Money.
0: Yeah, I love these both. Um, You know, I'm going to go Tabloid Junkie as well. I do love Money, though. Such a great song. And that's what I'm saying with these songs, that they're such masterpieces because, like, they have a really important, like, urgent social message, but also just great music. And to combine the two, like, the album So could have been just messages and... um, and not great music, or it could have been just kind of like middle of the road, mainstream music, try and make a hit. But like to combine the two, I just think, particularly around that time with such like pressure on him, I think is a really, you know, is an amazing feat really. I agree. Right, next for you is um, Break of Dawn or Got the Hots.
1: Oh, definitely break of dawn even though i love got the hots i have to go with break of dawn yeah it's just it was great great track
0: yeah break of dawn and heaven can wait are like very similar
1: i love the birds chirping in the in the um the background of break of dawn
0: (laughs) yeah and also quite like sensual isn't it
1: yes yeah The the first time i think michael ever really like explicitly said let's make love in a song i feel like yeah. Maybe it was all implied before, but this time he really like took a leap out there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, uh, cuz yeah, he I mean, he didn't really talk or insinuate sex that often. Yeah. In, in songs really. You know what? But I kind of feel like um the only time that like, it kind of actually reminds me quite a lot of uh, human nature. Okay. So I was thinking, like, if this, you know, if this town is an apple, let me take a bite. Like, I feel like uh, that's quite, I always took that as being quite a central lyric in that respect. And, yeah, I can see similarities between the two songs. So it's kind of like a, or well, at least in my book, a um, Human Nature 2.0 version.
1: Yeah, I see, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you have the same songs, Break of Dawn or Agatha Hots.
0: Yeah, I love both of these. Um, Really difficult. (laughs) I don't know what we're gonna be like in the next round. Um, Got the Hots again, I think that is a brilliant track that the estate could put out and it would be like a big hit for them as well. Like, I think it's just really fun and has all like the Michael Jackson, like, inflections with the, like, you know, the kind of hooping and hollering and like
1: yeah it's just
0: yeah it's a great dance track um uh i'm just thinking what have i i probably picked you know i'm gonna say got the hearts because gotta represent i'm sure i've done heaven can wait somewhere else (laughs) unless it's really bad unless um (laughs) it was put up against something you know very competitively right right well i think that's us done Um, that's the end of this episode of Michael Jackson Unspun. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, I hope you tune in next time. Uh, see ya.
1: Bye.